Wheel, Kipper, and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Here we go. Day one. The Stanley Cup playoffs. Woo! Sportsnet. Hockey Night in Canada. Kipper and Board. Fan 590. Woo! Our YouTube channel, iTunes, Spotify. We have you completely covered from head to toe. Four games on tap tonight. Boston and Florida on Sportsnet East. Islanders Mm. and Carolina on Sportsnet 360. That's followed up by Minnesota and Dallas at 930 Eastern. (laughs) And your signature game tonight on Hockey Night in Canada, CBC, the Edmonton Oilers versus the LA Kings. Here locally, a little over 24 hours, Toronto Maple Leafs, prepare still to slay the dragon of the Tampa Bay Lightning, and you will not get a better place than right here on our show for the next two hours to tee you up on that one. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne. Frank the Tank. Is this a cameo? Three days. Three days of Frank the Tank. I got to tell you, if the Leafs win while Frank's here, old sis Boomba might be somewhere else for game, Leaf game two and Nation three. Nation will not let Frank the Tank <laughs> leave. They will glue his ass in that chair. And of course, Sammy McKee representing Leaf Nation for you. During these playoffs. Now, Sammy, I mean, sensing a, a little low energy out of you. Are you okay? You're a little under the weather. Is this yeah. just nerves, Sammy? It's setting in. It's setting in. I'm a little nervous. I am a touch under the weather. Nothing crazy. Fighting through for the fellas. But, yeah, I'm, I'm a little nervous, boys. If I w- I'd be lying if I said, you know, we've been talking about how meaningless the regular season is all year. And then you finally get here. It's here. And it's just... All the stuff in the regular season out the window, <laughs> and know. you just got to win four hockey games before the Tampa Bay Lightning went four. So, a, a great woman once said, "Pressure is a privilege." We may hear that again today, but the, you know, to get to root for a team that's in the important games, what an honor, what a delight! Please win. <laughs> I can't ask Sammy this because we know where he's going automatically because of Sammy and his belief of reverse psychology, but I'll, I'll throw this out to you, mm-hmm. okay? Did, did this somewhere go from a pick'em series to the Leafs being heavily favored? Well, you know, if you look at Sportsnet, and I don't know if you did a pick for every series, but, you know, a handful of people here did picks, yeah. and you go through the board and look at what everyone selected – it's pretty heavy Leafs. If there's 10 or 15 names, there's at least a dozen that pick the Leafs in this series. The betting odds are in the Leafs' favor. They have them as the favorite. Um, you know, it's one of those things. You either believe in ghosts and that the Leafs can't get through, or you believe in what we've seen all season, which is they're the better team. So, bleh, as everyone at home is saying. Sammy, I know you're where your answer is already, and it doesn't matter if everybody has them that favored. You're still pooping in your pants. Well, I'm pooping in my pants more because they have, because everybody does have them. It's just the... Which the, sets them up even more. The narrative is flipping to that, like, oh my God, the Leafs, how can the Leafs not beat them? And yeah. it's like, that's the exact opposite scenario you want to have the Toronto Maple Leafs in. 
Yeah, t- coaches fight pre-series, uh, like in their interviews, to be the underdog, right? They're like, we got nothing to lose if we can take down this team. But even as much as coaches trying to do that here, there's no doubt the narrative at this point is that they got the edge. Eric, uh, Eric Francis and who else? Eric Francis said the lightning in seven. And who else did? Uh, Mark Spector said lightning in seven. Rory Boylan said lightning in six. Those are the only uh, from Sportsnet that decided to not pick the Leafs. So a yeah. lot, of, lot, of, lot of Leafs buzz here, which just is, as a Leaf fan, and I got a DM from a couple of Lightning fans today saying, I'm loving how much momentum is for the Leafs. Everybody's picking the Leafs. You have a pedigree team, a wounded animal pedigree team up against you, and you're the... Just, it's setting up to be a little bit scary. That's it. Yeah, you're justified, man. Just to set up the rest of the uh, the show in about uh, 15 minutes, we're going to go to Luke Fox, who went to the morning skate. He's going to do a little bit of a scene setter for us, uh, a little over 24 hours till game one. We also have Brad May. Mm-hmm. Love his honest opinion constantly, and uh, we're going to have fight him. fight my mom to win another Stanley <laughs> Fight his mom. Yeah. I, th- I heard this year he included his his brother in the mix. Wow. So, I mean. He means it. Yeah, he means it. All right. Maybe neighbors. I'm not sure. We'll ask him. Andrew Raycroft in the second hour will join us. Of course, he does a, a good job following the Boston Bruins. They, uh, out of the corner of our eye, will be real intriguing. If you want to talk about uh, pressure of living up to 82 games. Yeah. Uh, no bigger story than the Boston Bruins there. But just to add to the feeling of the Leafs being favorites, something needs to be said that at least out west in Edmonton, mm-hmm. they have to be feeling much the same because they're, they're, they've mirrored the Leafs in so many ways with questionable goaltending around superstars. Talent. But I will say this. There's not a lot of people that uh, don't think that the Oilers aren't headed towards a Stanley oh Cup. Oh, my God. Like, I can't believe the amount of the, people who picked them to win the Cup. No, no, no. How about the number of people that are just picking for a Toronto-Edmonton Stanley Cup final already and envisioning it, envisioning it? But, you know, whether or not it's a hockey expert predicting it or it, or is it just wishful thinking that, you know, there's going to be a lot of work for us. Send it out into the world or whatever, and it'll come back. Exactly. how that works. And the most important thing is if it happens, I got a lot of work (laughs) for the next (laughs) six to eight weeks, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. But, like, it's it's now being really envisioned a Toronto-Edmonton final. And it's not like it's far-fetched with the momentum of both these teams coming into – this week, it's oh, again. It's only far fetched because people you don't want to believe a good thing can happen or you'll jinx it or something. There, are, these teams have the potential. Uh, we did joke before the show that I'll just say the one thing that has the, it, people have the most wrong about Toronto is when they go play in the parade when the Leafs do well. No one believes in the Leafs. I know people are picking them to win, but no one actually believes they'll have success. You were quoting an article uh, earlier just, today. You know, something that we haven't really looked at much. <laughs> Yeah, not at all. Kipper, well, you were quoting yeah, an article, you know what? Right? I just uh, searching through the clips. I think it was Alan Mitchell who writes for the Athletic, and um, he was talking or, or writing already about how a Stanley Cup would change the Oilers organization. 
like it wouldn't change 15 other teams, by the way. Right. But, you know, it, in parts of it, he, he was talking about the parade route. Yeah, what it would be, <laughs> what it would look like. How it would start at the Rogers uh, set uh, place. Yeah. Oh, I was like, you couldn't find a lease writer. Oh, my God. Imagine Luke and, Fox and, wrote that. <laughs> Right? Uh, you gotta ask. That's first question for Luke Fox. What would his mentions look yeah. like? And right? listen, I like I like Mitchell. It's not a comment on his and, work in general. Oh, by the way, imagine it, doing it here. Uh, since the last parade the Oilers have had, their population has doubled. So you know it'll be a much bigger parade. Ooh, so we better order more barricades. <laughs> Let's uh, make you know. It's like wouldn't dare here. Everyone's just trying not to die. Sammy, it, if if the Leafs were up three one or. Or three and O, uh, would you start? Would you have a better understanding of where the route would go from? No, no, no. I okay. would not be just checking. About any I'm route. Just checking. I, I'm telling you, Kip. They could be up three nothing in the Cup final with a six nothing lead in the third period. We could not get Sammy to talk about the parade. We no, couldn't I, do it. I wouldn't be. I'd be watching like this. No, I'd still not. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So we've gotten into ten minutes into our first playoff show we're talking about the parade route that is pretty good for the no we're talking about others talking about the parade route (laughs) get get the story straight i know i know okay all right so do you think now the and i'll I'll include edmonton in this because we're we're already starting to talk about it you you think both organizations are kind of feeling like a slowdown on uh this overwhelming feel that like we're where the odds on favorite here is, is that starting to get felt a little bit, maybe even here. And we're going to hear Sheldon talk about the pressure of going into the Stanley cup playoffs. You want to go to these clips first and then we'll answer that. Yeah, I do. Okay. Let's hear it. Sheldon Keefe. No, we've had lots of practice here just in getting ourselves prepared uh, and focused on what matters. Uh, and that's really it. You know, the, the things that we can control that are right in front of us, take care of everything else. The pressure is a privilege. Um, you know, there's a lot of teams that are not playing hockey this time of the year that have no pressure, and they have no prep privilege or opportunity to compete in the playoffs with the type of team that we have. So we're, we're excited to get going. Privilege and opportunity, I bet you, comes up rather regularly in all his meetings with his players now. I bet it does. I bet that is a major theme for them. I mean, how else do you push back on that pit in your stomach, those things you can't control, except saying, this is fun. Good things come if you do good. You know, like there is an opportunity here and getting to feel like this is an honor. I think it was Billie Jean King who said that. I think it's the name of her book too. Just a really great line and, you know, I'm sure a good way to frame what's ahead for the Leafs here, but in, in terms of trying to feel good about it. I, I think there's way more people putting the Oilers in the final than the Leafs. Oh, my God. Like, way more. I haven't seen even, anyone. Not even a comparison. Uh, one person. Yeah, mostly. Like, it's not even close. But, but realistically, I yeah, think I agree the with Avs that. are a different team with no Landeskog, no Kadri, different starting goalie. You know, the Oilers have the best chance to get there of any Canadian team, no doubt. Did you take that clip of someone asking him a follow-up and then him ending, I'm talking Sheldon Keefe, oh, kind of yeah. abruptly ending his press conference? Do you have that? I think we do. Think about from us, the media, from the fans, um, a lot of the noise is they have to do it this year. They've got to not just get past the first round. There's, there's, that, that's not enough. We should have ended this a question. Ago. See you guys. Have a good day. <laughs> Wanted nothing to do yeah. with you feeling like you have to do it this year. Yeah. I don't blame him, but at the same time, there could have been an 
easy token answer to that. Couldn't there have been? Probably. Maybe it's a good way of, you know, uh, warding it off from coming back again. We haven't even started the series, and people are, are media have no yeah. problem telling him, you have to win. You have no choice. Yeah. You have to do it this year or else we have a, a pretty good understanding of consequences or repercussions. Yeah, I think Sheldon is an excellent coach. You guys know that I have a, a history with him. I think he does a great job. My one fear is that if things don't go well and he feels like the end of the road is coming for the Leafs, for maybe him, for what they've built here, I could see him getting a little panicky like just like no, you can see it imploding like i could I, no i could you, i could no. see the desperation like you know remember uh the all or nothing push, pushing all the buttons in game six you can be a hero you know this is it now or never be you know make history and then they don't win it's like damn there's another game to go you know like i could see the pre- the pressure mounting it's important for the leafs to get off to a good start is my point it's a meandering way of saying they need a good start we we should see sheldon at his best here because For of, sure. of that experience that you're talking about, yeah. about maybe playing a, a, a card too early. Like, it, this has to be his time now. And granted, we still don't talk about it. I think we'd all believe that there is an advantage having John Cooper versus Sheldon Keefe. There's not too many John's people a that. Cup champion. There's, there's not too there. many people that would give the edge to Sheldon. No. Uh, but he has to be better equipped to go up against a guy like John Cooper now. Yeah. Yeah. And he had some really good quotes about um, controlling. You know, he can only control his team, think about what's going on on his bench. Um, he talked about how matchups are different than they used to be, the way that it's not so much get this line out against that line it's get your offensive players on the ice in the offensive zone and d guys in the d zone so he he talked about just his own bench and his own team yeah. you can't Except worry I, about the I, other I watched coach. an awful lot where I, I saw a camp take offensive zone face-offs in the in in the back half of the season mm-hmm. uh i'm not sure that you know we're it's an automatic anymore yeah, I mean, what do you think? I, well, I think statistically he doesn't do it often, but I, I could see the way they feel about camp having changed. You're right. You talked about like him fine as a third line center. It, yeah, you can't avoid it at some point, I guess. Okay, let's go to uh, Keith on what he expects out of Tampa tomorrow night. I'm expecting opponent more like we saw in the playoffs last year, more like you're you're used to seeing and, and what you've seen of them for through different times during the season where they were at their best and and was elite and looked like the team that that you're accustomed to seeing. I think uh, the ex- experience that they have, we would expect nothing but their absolute best. But we're going to bring our best as well, and uh, like I said, look forward to competing. I get you get the different tone. What do you think is different? Well, first of all, shorter. His attention to detail is almost lost. Right. We're not. You're not getting right? nuances anymore. You're getting the blanket. Like, like we've stated all year long that we love our Kippers Clippers with Sheldon because there's sometimes when you just think that he won't shut up. Yeah, he'll be like, oh, the ankle flexion on his left skate on that two-on-one <laughs> caught a rut. You know, like, he'll give us the fine which, granular which details. Love. Yes. But there's also the hockey side of us that if we were on the team, we'd be like, hey, Sheldon, just 
tone it down a little bit. A little bit too much information. It's been great. It's been great, but you can hear in those answers do, a lot think, of... Do you think... going to keep his mouth shut. <laughs> do you think somebody, maybe Brendan or Kyle, said, hey, listen, uh, more cliches. Don't give them anything. More, uh, less is more now. For sure I do. I bet they said we're just, you know, we don't want to give anyone anything. Get out, get in and out of these interviews as quick as possible. Win the hockey games. That's what we want to see from you, coach. I have a hard time believing that will continue. That he'll be able to continue doing that? Yeah. Like, if that is something that happened, like, I just, listening through his audio today, like I do every day, it just felt different. Felt shorter, felt quicker to the point. And as this series goes on, more of the battle in the media that always happens with these coaches, I just have a hard time believing that Sheldon Keefe's going to be able to, quote unquote, keep his mouth shut when Cooper's running his mouth. Like, I do feel like there will be a war of words at some point throughout this, no? Yeah, I agree. They're both chatters. Listen, it, based on their last game together, there, there will be, it will be an emotional series. How, how can it not be? Especially if we know Tampa, I don't think they're going to be as aggressive as we saw last week. But there is a side of them that they also, you could see them kind of pushing the envelope with how, how aggressive they want to be against the Leafs, scrums, mm-hmm. potential fights. We like do you- have uh, Cooper on being underdogs, which is, might be an interesting juxtaposition here with Keith. Do you want to skip ahead and hear a Cooper, Cooper quote? Yeah, let's go for it. We've represented the Eastern Conference for three straight years, and we plan on doing it a fourth. Um, you know, we have some different players and got to do it different ways, but... Uh, there's a core group there that wants to keep uh, this train rolling. And so, um, you know, the problem, the Leafs are going to be a problem. And they're a heck of a team, uh, two teams that know each other well. And, uh, you know, I would expect, you know, a heck of a series, especially with the star power that both teams, uh, you know, produce. So, um, they're, you know, to, to be the best, you got to beat some of the best teams in the league and uh, the Ooh. Leafs are one of them and so we're going to accept this challenge and, and give them everything we have uh, but like I said this this group is you know till I don't know till somebody gets us like we're we're Rit. we're the team that wants to be on top and uh, we're going to do everything we can to stay on top he watches his words very boy. low key on that. that that may be the lowest key We'll get out of him in the series. Well, that's kind of what I was thinking. Like, the way he's going into this series is more like, you know, we're the underdogs. I'm not going to say too much here because I don't want to change that status. I want us to remain the underdogs. It's funny, though. Like, his, the way he, because that was in, at Amelie Arena after they had practice there. They're traveling today, I assume. And he was speaking with just, you know, four or five Tampa Bay reporters. So... It's very interesting to see the difference in tone than when he's in front of a, a throng of media here in Toronto versus, you know, in front of the, the friends and family down in Tampa. It's a very different thing, but I just, you could tell it was a little bit different. Way more complimentary of the Leafs. That, like, that is not usually in his playbook. Well, hey, listen, uh, Toronto is better than them over 82 games. You'd be crazy to not at least come off with that vibe a little bit and he yeah. did there yeah and at the same time stake their claim that you know until they beat us we're it you know i, I think that's a 
And and little nugget, he was trying not to big up his own team too much. I could feel him catching himself yeah. before being like, oh, I'm sorry, do we not have Vasilevsky and Hedman and Kucherov and Point and Stamkos? Are we not the team who's been to the cup final three years in a row? Like, he's trying not to yeah. be that guy. But he also knows he's closer to the, that, that, the inevitable, that we will get beat, right? Eventually, yeah. Eventually. Yeah. Uh, it, it may or may not be this first round. It may be in the second or third round. It may be even next year mm-hmm. if they squeak another Stanley Cup final in. Yeah. But he he knows based on probably what he's witnessed in the in the last three months since January that there's there's cracks in the plaster. Oh yeah. For sure. He he seemed, like, on. he seemed like he was trying to convince himself throughout that clip that he really <laughs> believed it. And he knows, and he said it, like they're a different team. Like they've got their stars, but he knows they're different. And I don't know where if it, if it just lies on the blue line or the fact that Vasilevsky's come down to earth. I don't know where he thinks he's different. Yeah. But he knows it. Yeah, he does. I mean, they are, for the first time, I think in terms of expected goals against, they're the worst team of the 16 in the playoffs. Like, that's different than the, how they've gone into this in the past. So I'm sure he's aware that it's a different group and not doesn't want to be too high on them. Do you think uh, he is more comfortable based on the way the team's finished that he's on the road instead of at home? Or would you still have wanted home ice? I, I just think that it's a softer landing if you if you lose game one on the road. On the road, yeah, I can see that. You know, they're they got to leave Toronto with a split. That's all you're talking about, and that's you lose game one on the road. It's the easiest post game speech from a coach of all time, which is just we just came here for a split, you know. We, we just got to take care of business tomorrow. It's a successful trip to Toronto. You get that luxury. You lose at home and you're the Leafs. It's a little easier to go, uh-oh. Game one is massive. She large. Massive. It's just there's so much doubt that sets in. If you See, I, 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 I disagree with you. I think, really? Uh, I think a, a Leaf loss wouldn't necessarily be... No, um, it's not season over. You know, I mean... Say the Leafs come out flat, lose 4-1. I mean, you think people will jump off the bandwagon by then? I do think, no. There will be full panic mode. But no. I think, yes. I think what there? changes, what changes oh is game okay, two. It's happening. Everybody so you, stay calm. What's the procedure, everyone? What's the procedure? Yeah, that's full panic. No, no. If you do, do you lose, see it? Do you see it? Here's where it's different for me. Is if it's, you're losing game two, you're down one nothing in game two. If you lost the first game and you're down in game two at home, that's that clip that Derek just played. Panic. If you win game one and it starts to get away from you game two, it's like, okay, it's easier to stay in it. You know, you so a 4-1 a row Leaf home. win in game one, would that be it enough? The game one's going overtime, boys. It's, I hate to break not, it to you. So then how can the whole series not be going into game seven overtime? This is just going to be the Samsonov series. Like... Is is Hedman or Sergachev going to sift a couple through his armpits, or is he going to make the saves 
If he makes the saves he, he needs to make, they'll get the result they should get. I'm confident there. But this is the one thing where you're like, hey, one thing I want to add on Samsonov. We always talk about, hey, this guy's got two playoff games. You know, he's, he's never been there. I wasn't aware that he had won the KHL championship. Oh, yeah. He won the Gagarin Cup like six years ago or something. So he has played. Those games to him would have mattered, would have been pressure games. It does make a difference to me that he's had some success at a level like that. Did we already play two Cooper clips? One, just one. You want to do the underdog? We did that one. We haven't heard Cooper's thoughts on the Leafs yet. Oh, okay. All right, let's go. Like the Leafs, to me, are, they just keep making positive strides like every year. And You know, they went from a... It's, it's a, they're a dynamic offensive team with, with dynamic players, uh, but they've really, you know, grown into like a bit of a defensive juggernaut as well. And so it, that's kind of a recipe you need to uh, to win in this league. And it's, like I said, it's it, you know, get some playoff series here that it's a shame, you know, when you get to this, one team's going to be out, but it uh, it seems to happen every year where... You know, you've got some of these marquee matchups that you'd hopefully you'd see down the line, but with uh, you know, with only eight teams in the conference making the playoffs, a lot of these matchups happen in the first round. So, uh, but they're good for hockey and they're a lot of fun. Okay, let's welcome in Luke Fox, NHL writer for Sportsnet.ca. Luke, I, I'm not happy with Cooper starting the series. You're going to have to poke the bear a little bit for us. Well, I, I am looking forward to his press conference tomorrow after the morning skate because he never fails to bring it for the Toronto media. So I expect Cooper will be in fine form tomorrow morning. Well, we're sure hoping he is because I know we get a lot of legs out of his clips. He's a <laughs> fully entertaining guy. So in terms of setting the scene for us there, Luke, uh, Matthew Nice uh, practicing on a different pad doesn't seem like he's going to be in game one. That fair to say? Uh fair to say that Nyes is out, but no, he wasn't practicing on another pad. He was practicing with the whole group. Yep. Yep. Um, But he was on a line with uh, Wayne Simmons and Connor Timmons. So, uh, yeah, he was wearing the gray sweater. He's going to be scratched game one. And I I actually agree with the decision. You know, Sheldon Keefe said, look, this guy hasn't even seen Scotiabank Arena ice before, let alone skate on it. And I think the fourth line has done such a nice job here over the last month or so. I think Zach Aston Reese has been playing his tail off. I think he deserves to be in game one. I think it's easier to scratch the guy who just came fresh out of college. You can always turn to him if you need a boost or if you feel like you're not scoring enough goals. I think it's harder to sit the veteran down and say we're going with the kid who's never played in the NHL and just played three meaningless games. So I like the decision. Um, and cool story that, that Nyes is living with John Tavares and his family. So he's carpooling with the captain. Uh, and John Tavares said that, you know, he talked to Kyle Dubas about it, talked to his family about it, was happy to give uh, Nyes his entire basement. Uh, so it's bigger than a hotel room. And uh, actually, Dougie Waite did the same thing for John Tavares when he was a youngster coming into the league. So he's just paying it forward here. But I think Nyes will be a great secondary option. He won't be playing game one. Which means also that, uh, you know, the debate on whether you're not, you wanted to go with uh, your, your three top centermen in the first, second, and third slot has now shrunk to uh, your top two lines as Tavares moves to the left wing on a line with O'Reilly and Nylander. Did that come to a surprise with many at the rink? 
Yeah, I don't know if it's a huge surprise because it's something that he's been toying with. I mean, he's pretty much tried every combination, Sheldon Key, for the last uh, month or month and a half. Um, I think at home, when you can control the matchups, I like it. I think it's an aggressive approach. All of a sudden, you've got a second line of Ryan O'Reilly, John Tavares, and William Nylander, who just scored 40 goals. I mean, as far as second lines go, that looks pretty deadly. The second line has been a question mark in so many of the Toronto Maple Leafs postseason series in the past. That looks deadly. That looks like a, a second line that's going to go out and try and get you some goals. I think the, the bigger surprise might be that O'Reilly took Nylander's spot on the top power play unit. Um, I wasn't sure if that was something Sheldon Keefe was just going to toy with at the regular, in the regular season at the end when he was sitting some guys for load management, but it looks like that's what he's going to go with in game one to start and throw a bit of a different PP look at uh, at the Lightning. So so that's more of a surprise to me. I like the aggressive approach of loading up that second line and seeing what they can do. Did did you did anybody ask Nylander how he feels about that? <laughs> he says it's nice that we have different options. Uh, that's and, nice, Willie. And, you know, yeah, yeah. He's of course, you know, give him the truth serum. I, I'm I would guess he'd rather be on the first unit considering they uh, take up much more than one minute. But uh, you know what? His production has actually increased in those games that uh, he was bumped down. So it, maybe it got his attention a little bit. Uh, you know, uh, we, we know that the power play has been a, a bit of a sore point for Leafs. And last season's series, I think it, was, it dropped all the way down to like 14-something percent. When it, in the regular season, it was like 27 percent. And they can't afford to have a drop-off like that. So at least they're able to throw a few different looks. Sheldon Keefe explained it as they know what William Nylander looks there. They know that can work as well. They have a huge sample size of it. So this isn't in stone. It's just giving them another look they can throw at them. Well, they do have a variety of looks. You know, I would say more than other years, they have good options. On the back end, um, it looks like Morgan Riley is going to be paired with Luke Shen, which I think a surprise to some people given how much time he spent with TJ Brody. Uh, what, are you, what are you hearing? Any thoughts on the Leafs' decor and the, and the pairs they're going to go with in game one? Yeah, the, the pairings will be the shutdown pair that he's been working on with McCabe and Brody. Uh, and that, that group has, has done a phenomenal job so far. I mean, they're going to face the ultimate test going against Tampa superstars. But in the regular season, those guys have gelled pretty quickly. Uh, uh, to be fair, almost everyone gels with TJ Brody. Yeah, Riley Shen will be the pairing, and then you got Giordano and Hall. I, I think what blew my mind just, just watching the practice today is they have a bona fide fourth pair. Like Eric Gustafson has more points than any Leafs defenseman, and he's going to be a healthy scratch. And Timothy Lilligren, like a month and a half ago, guys, I would have sworn he'd be in the top six for the Leafs. So just their depth on the blue line, like imagine that. We're talking about the, the Leafs scratching healthy, bona fide NHL defensemen. Before, you, you'd be scrounging to see if you had four or five guys you thought were worthy of a, of a seven-game series against a real legitimate tough opponent. And now they have different looks they can throw at, or if some guy goes in, gets injured, God forbid, they have a, a guy ready to step up and, and should, shouldn't be afraid of the moment. So uh, just the depth on the blue line, I think, has, has impressed me most. Talking to Luke Fox, writer for Sportsnet.ca. Uh, Luke, it sounds like whatever pressure might be on Samsonov, he doesn't really show it. I, he's 
said the right things in terms of how much he loves it here, from the chef to the therapist to the doctor. And uh, he's not only set up to to be the guy to carry them, but he sounds like he's setting himself up to, to be here for a very long time. He loves it. And I, my sense is the fan base loves him too. His teammates love him. Uh, you know, let's see how he performs under the bright lights. But so far, so good. He's had a fabulous season. He's been a steal when you consider his, his cap hit. And uh, he actually mentioned something that he's, he hasn't felt this good and comfortable on a team since he played for Magnitogorsk, uh, which is, you know, really quite interesting when you consider how many Russians, fellow Russians, were on that Washington Capitals team. You'd think he would feel quite at home there, but he acts, absolutely loves being in Canada. He says he prefers it to living in the States. He loves the city, loves his teammates. He, he's a really positive, interesting guy, and uh, he's earned this job through his health, number one, and through his performance. He's had a fantastic year, and he deserves this, this shot at, at, at going on a run and, and seeing if he can do it. And he's well-rested. They gave him those two games off last week. Uh, I, I think just the question is, can he, can he really do it when the, the lights are brightest? He only has one playoff win, and I'm talking about games. And he's going up against a goalie that has two, and I'm talking about rings. So that's the vast difference there that favors Tampa Bay. Well, he's also, to get in the net, You had he had to beat out Matt Murray, who we know is unavailable due to injury. I, I kind of have a two-part question, which is like, how much, how badly would he have to struggle for Wool to come in? And would Matt Murray possibly be an option in this series, even, yeah, even to consider? I'm not there yet with Matt Murray yet. I, I don't think he's. I mean, he's not even practicing with the team, so okay. I, I don't. I don't see the, as a viable option to step in right now. Uh, I, I think it's Samsonov's net. He'd have to have. I'd, I'd say two horrible performances to turn to Wall, just because of Wall's inexperience, not because of his play. Because I think this kid has been fantastic since getting called up, but he is still a little bit in awe. I had a good conversation with him today. He's a little bit in awe of just being in the playoffs. Like he's an NHLer now, and he's going to have to wrap his head around that. So it's definitely Sammy's net for the foreseeable future. Look, was there any sense that he he was skating on his own? Has he even touched the ice, Matt Murray? Yeah, he's been skating. He started skating on his own a little bit uh, when the Leafs were away last week uh, in Florida and New York. But um, he's not out there with the the regular group yet. All right, man. Listen, thanks for uh, helping us uh, tee it up a little bit today. A little over twenty four hours to go, and uh, we of course will be leaning on you throughout these playoffs. Thanks for doing this, Luke. Yeah, it's the best time of year, guys. Sure and is. Congrats on, on a really good regular season. You guys made it interesting when really, really all we were was waiting for this this time of year. <laughs> Thanks, pal. You're a big part of that. Appreciate it. Hey, nobody okay, cares about care. our regular season, Luke. Don't don't, <laughs> don't don't suck up to the regular season now, buddy. Just bring we, it now. Just bring it now. Yeah. Just bring it now. All right, Luke Fox, sportsnet.ca. This pressure Listen, is a privilege, Nick. Uh, Matt Murray would need in my opinion, at least seven days. With, from now. From now. Seven to ten. I got to tell you. To even Jason, have him Joseph on the Wool bench. Joseph has played so good for me that I just, I, I don't, I'm done 
thinking Murray for the year. I know that that's it's, it's worth talking about, and other people disagree yeah. with me. But personally, yeah. that's where know. I'm. Where at. do you value experience? That's all. Yeah. Right. Is it? Not none. It by the way, I do value was, it. Was it more important, like in the past, than it is today? Because the shift on Clara's what, what the expectations are. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, there's no doubt that, uh, you know, to Luke's point, that Samsonov would have to, you, you'd have to be going back to Tampa. Down to Down one. two. And have lost, like, lost six, four. two games <laughs> at home yeah. for to even contemplate Joseph Wall. You're not doing it. You don't no. think there's a scenario Wall goes gets in the net for the game three yeah. in Tampa Bay? Yeah. Well, no way. How how, how much uh, Samsonov would really have to JB's point, man? He he needed to have been blown out for two games. He would have had to go out there without pads on for this scenario. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to no, happen. Like, it's not it's, okay. It's not going to happen. What I do want to talk about is this nice. He can get thing. hurt before yeah. that happens. Yeah, I agree. This nice thing's crazy to me. Not crazy, but, you know, we all started having him out. Everyone remembers who's regular listener to our show, Sam, Nick, and I all had Nyes out mm-hmm. after watching him one game. I flipped. I and, didn't. And I said I'd have him in. Sammy held firm. And you... I said I could, I could see him playing game one. You know what you and I kind of, uh, where we backed it off to not having him in, was ta- realizing when he got back to Toronto... He didn't have a place to live yet. He didn't see, hadn't sure. seen the ring. He didn't know where to park. You know what my number one reason is? Is because there's 19, 20 other guys that have been yeah. in the trenches all year. Yeah. And this guy swoops in and gets it handed to him on a platter. Yeah. That is the number one reason why. I agree with Nye's not starting. I do too. Based on that alone. I think that, it sends a message that you all that have been here, this matters. Exactly. He can come in, be an addendum to it. He can help us. Yes. But you guys yeah. are what matters. I actually, you know, I wish I had been more on your side with that. I do see now how crucial that would be for those those boys to not be like, all right, we don't know what we are. We got a new guy. Where's yeah. he going to fit? Oh, like, it's and like, now, you know, and now he's uh, Tavares's little pet. Pro, you know, yeah. basement guy now. He's on and the it's second like, line. Or right? basement dad. He's a blogger now. <laughs> right? What's wrong with that? Oh, oh no. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Unless you're sitting in the stands in a healthy scratch because of it. Yeah. Well, I'm sure that. I bet he plays game two, though. No. I'll, I'll dig in on that. Not, I bet not with he plays a win, game two. Not with a win. You're, you're, you're talking about a loss and then maybe juggling the lines. You yeah. come up with a solid win. Yeah. And Aston yeah. Reese has got no, eight, right. ten right. minutes, right. and he's hitting things in sight, and they're they're not changing the winning no, lineup. You're right. You're right. Nope. I, I'm still sticking with it. It's going to be really hard for him to get in. It also puts him in the, the least best bottom six is really position good. to succeed. You know, like he, oh. he coming in now, it's like no pressure. You're just the fill in guy playing coming in for someone who wasn't oh. doing well. I'll tell you what it really does. It, uh, from Kyle's perspective and Sheldon and Brandon, it's the safest decision. It protects your current roster. For sure. And it protects Matthew Nyes. It does protect Nyes. And, and you can sit with him and be like, look, get to know where the coffee maker is. Watch yeah. a playoff game. Get a sense. You know, let's go over our system a couple times. Have a few practices. Yeah. 
you're going to play, kid. Crush, you're going to be a part of this thing. Crush some of that sweet, sweet Scotiabank popcorn in oh, the press box. Get oh, my in God. There, kid. The amount of popcorn I used to eat in that press box, boys, <laughs> oh, it was not good for my health. Yeah. Okay. An agreement on that. All right. Maybe for the first time, we've all agreed. No. No? Well, for the first time the other day, we all rode the elevator down to the cars for the first time in two years. We're so first year, two years. That was really <laughs> weird, by the way. I'm looking around, and I'm like, I've been here for almost two years. We've never been in the uh, same elevator together. the same time, somehow. That is And there was a strange girl in there, and she's, I think she's like, I don't belong here. Yeah. She's like, who are you guys? <laughs> all right, hey, we'll take a quick no, break. No, no, no. Fellas. Oh, no, go, we go, 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 go. I'm really proud about this. We got a new sponsor on the show, Bet365. Uh, I use Bet365 quite a little bit here and there, as you'd like to know that. And uh, we're doing picks. We're going to call it, uh, it's time for playoff picks, presented by Bet365. Visit the app for the latest odds. And I have a few things for you fellas today. Four series get underway tonight. Uh, Boston's one of them that we're going to get into with Andrew Raycroft. Uh, Boston's minus 360 to win that series, which is a huge favorite. And the Panthers are plus 280. What I want to ask you, fellas, is there any world in which you can see the uh, the Florida Panthers sneaking by here and finding a way to get into this series? This guy called Boston a perfect team. I don't. Do I you, did too. Do you did too. Do you see any way through, Kipper? I, I don't. And I know there's a, a flu going through the team. And actually, last time I had heard, Patrice Bergeron was uh, under the weather and considered a game time decision. Uh, I can appreciate uh, Alex. Lion coming in yeah. and holding the fort down the stretch. That was... He's going to start. Um, yeah, of course he is. It's crazy. Ma- make or break uh, uh, last two weeks for him. Yeah. And he deserves to play. And I'm sure the team believes in him. But there's not a world I see yeah. the Panthers beating the it's just It's crazy timing. Like they said, several guys are sick. And so there is one of the... Uh, Odds lines I looked at on Bet365, they have, um, you know, Boston to lose a game but win the series is one of the things. It was plus 250. If you were looking for a way to make money on Boston and really like Boston, I could see them in game one going out there without Bergeron. Krejci's in but, like, dragging. Swayman may not. One of their goalies isn't there. I could see Florida taking a game. I still think Boston wins the series, but kind of a sneaky way around it. I got a question for you guys. Who do you think the favorite for the Conn Smythe Trophy is. So you got to if you you got to know your team to win the cup. Listen, anybody that says anybody but Connor McDavid's he is not the favorite. It's got to be Pasta. Yeah, Pasternak. David Pasternak is the favorite to win the Conn Smythe at 9 to is 1. Is McDavid too? Yep, at 10 to 1. I can see a world where Boston wins the cup mm-hmm. and McDavid leads playoffs and scoring by like 20 points, gets the Conn Smythe and then smashes it on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, I don't want it. Yeah, it's possible. And the the next two, the How many lead- guys have won it that have not. I only can think of Jaguar. Jaguar, right? Didn't Jaguar Hextall too? Yeah, Hexy. Yeah, Hextall too. And uh, the closest Leaf is Austin Matthews, twenty five to one, and uh, Marner's twenty eight to one. So I know that'll make you really happy, Kipper. Uh, those odds should be switched. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> and the last one I have for you today is the odds to win the Stanley Cup. Bruins are the heavy fave at plus 325. Maple Leafs are 8 to 1. And I looked down the list. The best value I could see was the Rangers at 14 to 1. For sure, the Rangers. 14 to 1 is, is a good yeah. number for them. Devils, uh, Devils analytically grayed out pretty well, but Kane, Tarasenko, Big D, 
Yeah, I could see it. Yeah. All right. Physically, mm-hmm. I don't think the Devils will hold up. Yeah. Against a big team like the Rangers. And also just like their best players have not been through it. The Rangers were just in the conference final last year. So good scene setter for tonight. There we go, boys. That was Playoff Picks presented by Bet365. Visit the app for the latest odds. Okay, when we come back, uh, Brad May. We know what he'd do to his mom. What? Hey, Derek. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Derek's not close to the button. Derek, to push the button. <laughs> Again. I'd fight my mom to win another state. He'd fight his mom. <laughs> okay, Where okay. were you guys going? <laughs> uh, listen, I just needed some clarification. There That's you all go. I'm saying. Tons of clarification, and we'll get even more after the break. You are watching and listening to Real Kipper and Born. Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Toronto sports fans. The Fan Morning Show with Ailish Forfar and Justin Cuthbert. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. It up to LaFontaine, he gets tripped up, gets it to May, and over the line, he's May going in on goal, he shoots, he's to that let's bring him in right now brad may hey that's got to feel like it just happened yesterday kipper kipper it's 30 years ago but i'll tell you what i'm so excited to hear it thank you oh no we're just getting going here listen the, the start of the playoffs it's it's unbelievable it's the greatest time for hockey fans and hockey players and um you and I got an opportunity to play at that stage, and there's nothing better. What do you most remember about that moment? Seriously, uh, when, when, you, when you reflect on it, what is the one thing that stands out above all? You know what? Honestly, just the, the, fan, the fandom in Buffalo, kind of where it's going to hopefully be in Toronto. We, the Sabres hadn't been out of the playoffs and, or out of the first round and, or past the first round in over 10 years, and... Um, you know, that was almost like taking the air out of the balloon. It was um, it was an incredible moment. It was as loud as I've ever been, a uh, building that I've ever been in. And um, that's what I remember. I remember the people. And, of course, Rick Generat's call has is, is lived in infamy, and um, it's given me a nickname for the last 30 years. So um, pretty cool. And I, I, I'll be excited when Toronto wins this series and whoever scores that winning goal, and if it's at a really, you know, um, tenuous moment if it's an overtime goal that person's going to be immortalized for for the near future for sure marn day marn day marn day i don't know hey that's up to that's up to joe bowen and whoever else is calling the game to figure out what the call is going to be but if it it matches anywhere close to what rick generette did (laughs) um it was wonderful and it's still wonderful and it's it's lived with me you know since that point so um i love this time of year you know, Brad, the, uh, it is interesting. Like the Leafs have got, uh, got into these elimination games and they haven't found a way through and their offense has dried up. You're a guy who's found you know, a way in a big moment like that. Do you need to do anything different or think differently or play differently? Or is it one of those things that just maintain the same way you've always played and just hope it finds you at the right time? You know what? I, I, think, I think all of the above and, and outside of the hoping, 
I think for for players, they just have to believe in, in themselves, obviously, and not get caught up into all the rhetoric and, and the conversations. And, and, of course, the demons, right, of, of, of past failures. Um, the moment is now. It's the time to shine. Um, be confident and don't shrink under, the, you know, in the spotlight. And, you know what, I, I was fortunate. It was, a, again, a moment in time for, for myself in overtime against the Bruins, and we were the underdog in that series. Um, but I was ready for the stage. I was ready for the moment, and it, and it happened. Um, I think, you know, there's two things you can do with pressure, guys. You either feel the pressure or you apply pressure. And I love that quote. And for Toronto, um, going into this series, listen, there's nothing to fear. You've been through that. You've had failures. This is your moment. You've got new players, a new identity. This is a time to shine and, um, and apply pressure on them. Tampa Bay Lightning, who really have been a mediocre team in the last few months. Now, maybe that's because they've been preparing for the Toronto Maple Leafs and playing a game plan that didn't suit their opposition down the stretch and truly trying to build the team to have success against Toronto. You never know, and we'll soon find out. You know, just to maybe just talk a little bit about maybe your goal compared to what where the Leafs have been in the last few years of not making the most out of maybe closing out a series like they'd had a couple of cracks last year in Tampa Bay. I mean, there's a fine line, Mayday, between um, not forcing a moment and then taking advantage of one that presents itself. Is there anything on that game-winning goal where that, that speaks true? Um, yeah, 100%. Now, here's the thing. Alexander McGillney was on my line along with Pat LaFontaine. Those guys were the pure goal scorers, the true talented players. Of course, we had talent to play at that level. Um, Ray Bork, after the fact, after I met Ray um, the, that summer, actually, at a wedding, um, he actually looked at me and he said that, he goes, all I thought you were going to do when you slashed across the neutral zone was when I got the pass was I was going to chip it in the corner and go and try to hit him again. Um, the whole idea was, you know, my, my presence on that line was to create physicality, get in on the forecheck, and literally whether I hit Ray through the boards and into the glass, the whole mission was to stop his momentum and just make it hard on him, make him tired, you know, as the long, longer the series went on. And in that one moment for Ray, his mental – um, you know, what the way he saw the play happening was I was going to chip it behind him and try to do the same thing all over again. And I guess that's the idea about wearing down a defenseman. And, you know, at, at that time, it was an opportunity that presented itself. So it's not like Brad May got on the ice at that moment, was like, I'm going to dangle Ray Bork and, and, and have an opportunity to score. Um, the opportunity presented itself. I was ready for it, clearly. But Ray was also not ready for that moment because um, the three or four games leading into it in the previous year playing against Boston probably 16 to 20 times, I didn't attack Ray Bark. I chipped it behind him, and my whole mission was, was to you know, lay the body. And for, for that moment, I, I'm looking at a guy like Sam Lafferty. I'm looking at a guy like Noah Achari. I'm looking at even uh, uh, William Nylander. At the end of the day, you can't just attack and try to score every play. You've got to get into the corners. You've got to grit it out. And um, when the opportunity presents itself, you know, to a great forecheck, a, a, a giveaway, you know, a player coughing up a puck, 
Now all of a sudden the puck's on the right hand you know, or in the right hands. And for us looking at it, this series, the Toronto Maple Leafs have to capitalize, but um, you have to look at it three dimensionally, um, not solely offensive. Brad, eventually things slow down in a playoff series. I don't want to say slow down, but kind of settle into hockey again. But in game one, there is this explosion of energy, excitement, anticipation, and the way things kind of go in the first period can be chaotic. Does the team need to play any differently, in your opinion? Like, game one for this Leafs team, I just feel like, you know, they've got Shen in the lineup. They've got a heavier group. I don't know that that's how always how they'll want to present, but do you think game one is different in terms of tone setting for a playoff series? Well, I think, you know what, it's the best series or best um, of, of all of them. Obviously, um, you get great matchups, but round one is always exciting. I mean, it's always presents itself for, for the upset or for these un, uncommon things to happen. I just think for these players to understand exactly who they are, what they can do, and what, you know, what, what their limits are. A Luke Shen, we don't want Luke trying to dangle down the middle of the ice, right? We want him to finish checks, outlet passes, clear out the front of the net. And, and if he does that, he's doing his job. And I played with Luke when he was a young guy. Um, I'm really excited that Luke's back in Toronto, by the way. Um, for all these other players, identify who you are, where your strengths are, but learn how to put a different hat on at the, you know, the special moments, whether that's blocking a shot for a player that doesn't typically get in the shot lanes. It's a guy that doesn't throw the big hit and finds himself in the position where he can lay a guy out behind the net. Um, all those, those physical you know, interactions, they pay off in a series you know, down the line, and then skill takes over. Your goaltender has to be better than the other guy at the other end of the ice, and your top players have to, you know, once you draw a penalty, you need your big boys to step on the ice and go score. And this, again, I think this series is going to come down to, I think goaltending is going to be good on both ends. Um, it's going to come down to special teams. Once again, a weak penalty, a selfish penalty may end up hurting either team. And um, because really, if you look at these, both these teams, their strengths, the biggest strength of each team is their top four, five, six forwards. And, um, and th- that can actually apply pressure on the power play. Um, Got to defend. But you know what? If you don't match the other team's energy, I just don't think you have a chance. We're talking to Brad May, former National Hockey League player and Stanley Cup champion. Mayday is... Is Tampa Bay going to try to drag the Leafs into the alley here? And, you know, if you were on the Leaf coaching staff, what would you be telling an Aston Reese or a, a Chari or a Lafferty or Luke Shen on on what to expect and how to handle it? Well, I think if, if I'm coaching, and by the way, you and I were both those types of players, Nick, um, and we were the guys that were kind of, you know, the catalyst to the physical movement, but all those players you just spoke of, I would, if I'm, if I'm in that locker room or they're listening to me, you got to play between the whistles, enough of the nonsense, uh, forget the glove washing and the scrums after whistles. It does nothing. It distracts you. It distracts your teammates. And quite honestly, it could put your team behind the eight ball. So play within the whistles as hard as you possibly can be willing to hurt the opposition with the best hits. Don't lay up um, at this point in time. Truly, Nick, I said it, and you love this quote, but I'd fight my mom to win the Stanley Cup. <laughs> you need a you need a, a group of, and obviously that's a joke, guys. But um, you need 
a team I'd full fight of my guns. mom to win another Stanley Cup. <laughs> <laughs> it's our favorite, by the way. Hey, I know that. Uh, but you need your whole team to be willing to do, you know, something unordinary or extraordinary to actually advance and move on in the playoffs and and kind of take on a different identity, but, but play within your own game. Toronto, they have their identity. They've bolstered certain positions to be bigger, you know, a little faster, more robust on the forecheck. They've got two defensemen now with McCabe and Shen that, you know, gives them a different look and a different confidence. Um, but you've just got to play within yourself. Do not take the stupid penalty because, really, that's the threat. The threat of the fight back in our day was a fight. The threat on a team losing, in many cases, it's a stupid penalty and the other team capitalizing. You know, one of the threats for the Toronto Maple Leafs is just that their goaltending is not up to par. And Ilya Samsonov, is there a way to insulate a guy like that? I understand you want to play good defense, but at some point here, that guy's got to be there for them, right? Oh, 100%. And it's going to be back and forth. Listen, Tampa's a, a well-oiled team. They're not playing great, or they haven't over the few months. But guess what? That's almost a rope-a-dope for me. I think they're going to show up, and they're going to be ready to play at this stage, at this moment. Imagine... Both teams knew they were playing each other for the last six weeks for the most part. And you're not going to step in the way of a, of a shot that actually would have tied a game, won a game, or, or, or prevented a loss four weeks ago because you didn't want to break your foot or get in, get in you know, harm's way. So I, I, I'd scrap the records coming into the playoffs. It's a new season, clearly. And um, your goaltender has to be great. The way, to, the, the way to insulate them is to score more goals, obviously, um, and have the puck in the offensive zone. But it's not like you can keep it there all game long. And in so many ways, I think this series, it, it sets up, it's going to be a barn burner. I think it is Toronto's time, though. And they have other players that have won. Ryan O'Reilly, for me, is a, is a difference maker. And he also makes the Toronto Maple Leafs forward core a lot deeper. And you can spot Ryan O'Reilly, put him on the third line, have them, you know, with have a great matchups, but you can always move them up and down and throughout the lineup at different times. Um, he's a responsible guy. He's a Conn Smythe winner, and he's a Stanley Cup winner. And that's one of these veteran players that I think you need to move on in the playoffs. And I think I think it's Toronto's time. I think it's their time to make it make a move to get past the first round. And you know what? Don't even think of the Boston Bruins or whoever else is beyond that. You got a massive series in front of you, and you got to stay in the moment. Your Buffalo Sabres on your game-winning goal got through a Boston Bruin team that had arguably the best defenseman in the league in, in Ray Bork. I can't recall your blue line group um, in, in Buffalo that year, but you know who led that charge, or is it more by committee? I look at the Toronto Maple Leafs right now, and possibly there's a, another level for Morgan Riley, but if they need to do it by committee... It, it does appear like, you know, there might be enough there to, to prolong a very uh, healthy playoff run here. Uh, in Anaheim, there was Scott Niedemeyer. But, uh, you know, speak speak of the team that uh, beat Ray Bork and what you guys had on the blue line. Well, just before I get there, um, the Anaheim Ducks, we were built, built to win. We had Chris Pronger and Scott Niedermeyer. I mean, two Hall of Fame players that quite honestly, you know, as a coach, you could have one of them on the ice at all times um, at, throughout a game, and that's a real big benefit. And not to mention you have Tamu Slanny and a young Ryan Getzlaff and Corey Perry and Chris Kunitz, three superstars as young guys that you know 
were on entry-level level deals. That's why we were able to win the Stanley Cup, not to mention um, having, you know, a cast of other guys that were hungry. Um, the, our Buffalo team against Boston back in 1993, we had Peter Svoboda, we had Doug Bodger, we had Keith Carney, um, and obviously they're not all household names, but they're all very capable. Here's the thing. You have to be defensive. You have to be able to, to, to defend against the top players on the other team, and you have to be able to absorb the, you know, the physicality from them as well. Um, that's where the playoffs you know, are, are the, for me, the Stanley Cup playoffs is the best sporting tournament that we are able to watch because there's so many dynamics and elements that, that, that can you know, present themselves. Nick Paul scored two goals in Game 7 last year to beat the Toronto Maple Leafs. Where was Toronto's bottom six? It's not just about your stars. It's about the depth of your organization. And who, who wants to take that, that, that mantle, that, that label of being the hero, to be the guy that actually you know, advances the Toronto Maple Leafs to the, you know, to the second round? Don't wilt, to, don't, don't wilt under that pressure. Embrace it. Take it. And make a difference. And I'll tell you what, I, tonight would be a sleepless night. But you're excited for that. You're so fired up to play tomorrow. And um, I'm really excited because I'm going to be in the building too. As we are too. Hey, Mayday. Um, love having you. Loved your um, insight uh, on your goal and, uh, and rising to the moment when it presents itself. Great stuff. We're going to be leaning on you as well very heavily during these uh, playoffs. Thanks for doing this, pal. <laughs> there you go. Thanks so much. Guys. I just May. Got, the hair stood up on the back of my neck, Nick. I love hey, it. Thank you. We didn't even score it. Nars did too. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys, let's have some fun, yeah. and hopefully hopefully, the Toronto Maple Leafs are able to do something very special. Sounds good. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Brad May, Stanley Cup champion, knows it, lived it, and is on our show to talk about it. I got to tell you, I love the line, you either feel the pressure or you apply the pressure. It takes some of the pressure off you to take it to the opponent and say, yeah. you answer the question. Yeah. Are you good enough to answer the question? I, it's funny. I wonder how – scoring a big goal like that is obviously incredible. Like there's no – there's no – nothing that would compare to scoring an overtime winner in the Stanley Cup playoffs. That's just the elite of the elite feelings. But then to have the call by like a legendary play-by-play guy – with such an iconic thing to be able to live it again and hear that every mm-hmm. time, I can't imagine how much better that makes it. Like that must just—that's just get every time Brad gets to hear that. Like you said, the hair sticks up. That never gets old. No, you know, I, I don't hear never. the call for my triple O T E C H L playoff winner very often. <laughs> that doesn't seem to come up as much as made it. The, in, so. the intern that was calling the game <laughs> yeah. didn't. It doesn't get played. What a goal by Morty! And and the one thing that you know, if you can even. And I'm envisioning this as I asked him is that, you know, it's it was up against the Boston Bruins, but it was up against Ray Bork. Oh yeah. Do you envision an Aston Reese or a Lafferty going up against Victor Hedman in this series and slaying the dragon? I mean it's you, you know, know they, that, but that's that's what these moments are all about. Yeah. For sure. There's there's a very realistic chance. Like the Leafs don't win a Stanley Cup this year without someone going, who can forget the David Kampf goal? You know, like there is no. there's those moments. There's whether it be Chris Kunitz or Max Talbot or Nick Paul or whatever, you know, like there's guys who have to get those goals. 
and he mentioned Ryan O'Reilly. I feel like we haven't talked about him enough as a playoff guy. And I do want to mention that too. I looked into this today at random. His points per game in the regular season is 0.70, like just 0.7. Mm-hmm. In the playoffs, it's 0.88. So his points per game goes up significantly in the postseason. The Leafs stars, the four guys you're thinking about, all of them see significant drops so far. It's early in their careers. But O'Reilly... It's not that early. Oh, I'm trying to cut him some slack. <laughs> Doing a great job of being a nice guy. <laughs> right. Yeah. But O'Reilly's been the opposite. Yeah. So I think that's great. You know, this is a chance for those guys to, you know, to ha- for have someone else in the lineup who can do it. By the way, .88, which Ryan O'Reilly has, is a breath better than what Matthews and Marner have in their careers. Tavares so, drops as well, does he not? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Significantly. You know, that's so, this is, and, and Nylander is the closest to maintaining his pace. I think Ryan O'Reilly is going to score multiple big goals for the Toronto Maple Leafs. All righty. In the first round and beyond. Yeah, I like him on the power play too. Love and it's it's going to be a fine line because you just cannot leave a 40 goals pure shooter like Willie Nylander the last 15 seconds on every power play. Eight. We know that. He's going to have to find a way to get him in there and involved and happy. You it, don't want this guy pouting. You, and the second unit it's one thing to <laughs> say all the right things. Ten seconds left of the power play. It's, a, it's, it's one thing to say all the right things before game one, but once you start living in it and, you know, if there's a level of frustration, the first thing is like, hey, I'm here. Let's go. For sure. I think it's great for them to have that option if things don't go perfectly right away. Okay, let's take a quick break, and we'll bring back Andrew Raycroft, retired NHL goalie. Uh, working at Nesson, uh, Nesson uh, covering the Boston Bruins. We're going to get into what's going on with the Bruins as they face the Florida Panthers. It all starts tonight. Stanley Cup playoffs. We're back after the break. The best Blue Jays show out there, period. Blair and Barker. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Intriguing storyline with the Boston Bruins tonight. How healthy they are. You know who's healthy, Kip? Zdeno Chara. Congratulations to him for finishing the Boston Marathon. Three minutes and 38 seconds. 3.38. Oh, pretty quick. Three minutes and oh, 38 sorry. seconds. Three hours and 38 minutes. <laughs> so I ran the New York Marathon. Oh, geez. I think I did it in I remember four that. and a half. That's and still great. Great. Listen, I'm like, I was running, and then all of a sudden I'm down the stretch in Central Park, and there's a guy in a Batman suit <laughs> juggling two basketballs, and I'm like, I never wanted to punch anyone so hard in my life. <laughs> you know, you don't have a marathoner build, though, Kip. You got oh, a hockey yeah, player build. For sure. Okay, let's welcome in Andrew Waycroft to find out if he ever ran a marathon. Razor, are you there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm here. No marathons for me. No, no marathons for me. Uh, I was down there today. It's it's not too far. The route doesn't go too far past my house. So I went and cheered on a few friends and saw Big Z go flying by. He was in peak condition. Oh, man. Now, what's going on with the Boston Bruins? Is there a flute bug? And can you get Chara back in the lineup? 
<laughs> the big boy, the big boy ran right to the garden. He probably could play 25 <laughs> minutes tonight. Dude, the way that guy is, it's incredible. Uh, I, I don't know what to make of all this, guys. I, I really don't. I, obviously, there's something going around, but we all know how it works in playoffs, and you never get the right answer, and it's hard to find someone with a, with any truth coming out of them. Um, I, I have a hard time imagining anyone missing games, but we haven't seen any games played yet. So, so maybe this is all something that's not precautionary. The word that I've been hearing for the last month out of this team is all precautionary. And, and here we are on the eve of game one and not really sure where anyone's at. So as it currently stands, are there any injuries, anything, anyone out? Or is this going to be a fully loaded Boston Bruins team? Well, Bergeron's the big one right now because he hasn't okay. skated in two days. And and he two uh, days Hall ago, and it was some, Hall and Foligno are in, according Forbert is also back in today, according to Jim Montgomery today. But then beyond that, there was some, some sickness that has gone through. Swayman mispracticed yesterday. Allmark was out the last game of the season, so they didn't really touch on the goaltending. But again, I think that's more gamesmanship than anything else. Yeah. Well, they are fully set up here with a fairly deep lineup. So is there any concern at all about this Florida Panthers team? The Bruins locked and loaded here should be able to handle pretty much anyone. They should be able to handle anyone, but, but again, it's playoff time. And and I think everyone that ramps up and until you actually see it out on the ice, Florida can score goals. Uh, They have Barkov, they have Kachuk, they have Ekblad. So, so they present, somewhat of a threat in that they can get out to a two or three goal lead in games and they can push the pace. I'm not sure if they have enough depth or they shouldn't have enough depth and they shouldn't be able to play defense enough against this Bruins team, but they do have a puncher's chance because of some of the superstars they have in their lineup. As as far as the, uh, the chemistry, um, inserting Hall and Foligno, they've been off for such a long time. I mean, is it, is it, is it going to be seamless for them to come back? So it, it should be seamless for Foligno. He locks in, fills in on that fourth line left wing with Nosek and Hathaway quite nicely. You got to imagine they're all playing a very similar game, uh, north-south battling physicality. The interesting one's Hall. He has played a few games, but no one has, it hasn't, Krejci hasn't played. So Bertuzzi's been on the second line with, Zaka and Pasternak. Now, if Krejci comes back, he's taking that spot. You assume Bertuzzi bumps to the third line with Hall and Coyle, and that takes Frederick out of the lineup. We haven't seen any of that combination at all. Hall and Bertuzzi haven't really played together at all since the deadline. So that's where the chemistry issue comes in. That's where the question mark for all of us here is who and what does the third line actually look like? It's incredible, like, just going through the Boston uh, Bruins lineup, like, the quality players they have at depth position. How has Garnet Hathaway been as an addition to the fourth line? Well, he's checked all the boxes that this team's yeah. needed the last few playoff runs with his, his being able to play on the edge, his physicality. He's a good player. He can skate. He can get in on the forecheck, and, and he's a heavy body. And, and again, with him playing with a guy like Nosek, who's so smart, takes so many defensive zone face-offs. Hathaway is more than responsible to get that puck out of the zone and, and 
change momentum shift to shift when they're out there. So he's been an ideal fit, and he, he can drop the gloves. He has dropped the gloves, and he's added that extra body out there that, that won't allow cheap shots to happen. Razor, as, a, as an ex-goalie, you must have really appreciated what Swayman and Allmark were able to, to do all season, and we all waited. Come on, when's Cinderella's shoe going to fall off, you know? And it's like... It didn't happen, did it? it? It never did. And I think what a what a testament to – and I'm going to talk Allmark just because it's a little easier that he, he went 40-4-0-6-1 on the season. And, I mean, that's nuts. That, that's never going to happen again. No goalie will ever have that stat line again in this league. And there was never any complacency. You, like – you play and, and you have that kind of a record as a goaltender. It's easy to take the Tuesday night off in Chicago or the Tuesday night off in St. Louis when the season's kind of in the books. You've already scored a goalie goal. You've had everything go your way. And you know what? No big deal if I don't play great one random. And he hasn't allowed that to creep into his game. He's been rock solid almost every single start. And that's what's impressed me the most and, and with both guys, really, but especially Allmark. You know, he's going to have his hands full just looking at the Florida Panthers. Like a major strength of theirs is creating offense. They they get a ton of chances. And, um, you know, obviously Boston's D is very good and should be able to handle that. What would you call Boston's signature? Like, is this just a complete team? Do you think they're better offensively, defensively? Is there anywhere where you're like, okay, this is the thing this team does exceptionally well? Well, I think... They do everything really well, right. or they have up until this point. They've they've been able to win all different ways. But I, I look at their ability to roll out Charlie McAvoy, Hampus Lindholm, and Dmitry Orlov, and add Brandon Carlo in there as your top four defensemen. It, you can roll those guys out every night. Essentially, the, at this point, without injuries, you could technically have McAvoy, Orlov, or Lindholm on the ice every second of the playoffs. And I just can't look away from that being the absolute strength and where this team's foundation's really built. As far as what Jim Montgomery's been able to do all season long, um, you know, there's it was questionable whether or not this guy could even get back into the league. And then you turn around and have one of the most successful coaching seasons in history um, and, and being able to kind of maintain it all year long. Like, what is his secret? What what did he do uh, exceptionally well that maybe even what you saw, Razor, um, you didn't anticipate? Well, I, I think it's his ability to connect with this group so quickly. Uh, there was, Cassidy was here for six years and was extremely successful. Uh, obviously, the players felt like the message got a little stale at the end, but that happens with all NHL coaches after six years, especially. It's just gonna, it's gonna be falling on deaf ears, and they need, they, they felt like they needed a change. I didn't think that Montgomery was going to be able to connect with everyone and get the defense. He, he talked so much. Defense is gonna get more offensive as the season goes on. They're gonna jump in the rush more, and they were able to do it right out of the gates without taking anything away from the system that they play defensively. And that, that his idea, his vision for this team is what's impressed me the most because he, he had it spot on with the, the personnel that he has here, 
and, and just the way they played defense, he was able to allow those guys a little more leash going forward, and it's been such a difference for guys like Campus Lindholm to have career seasons like they have. Can I ask one more yes, follow-up on do, yeah. Montgomery? Yep. Uh, just in terms of this load management, we saw uh, quite a bit of it, didn't we, see with, with Boston. Were you also surprised that there was no lulls really in their game or maybe there were that we didn't really see? But, I mean, was it successful in terms of what he was able to do down the stretch here? It was, it, and it does surprise me. It did surprise me. I, I didn't think they had a chance at the record with four weeks left. Just going through, they had five straight weekends of back-to-back Saturday-Sunday games, and they had everything locked up. You knew there was going to be load management. You knew they were going to stick guys out, but guys won even despite that. They went to Carolina, in Carolina, on the second half of a back-to-back without Bergeron, Marshawn, and Lindholm, and they come out with a victory there. And they did that every week. And the last Pittsburgh-St. Louis, Patrice Bergeron doesn't even go on the road trip. They win both of those games. So I was surprised at how well they performed while resting players. And I, I just goes to the depth that this team has. And, and I think some of the – also the reason why we're hearing the injuries and the sickness but not a lot of concern out of the Bruins the last couple of days because they just feel like they can win with uh, – up every night so they currently have the they're the heaviest favorite in a playoff series in round one uh waiting on the other side of that would be the winner of tampa toronto obviously we're spending a lot of time on that uh as a someone outside of the city of toronto what's your perspective on what will be a very exciting first round matchup i can't wait to watch of course and and my buddies who are all in toronto right now are keeping me very informed on a a minute-to-minute basis of of who's playing goal and and what everyone's saying up there so i'm getting those lots of scoop uh if tampa bay can flip the switch from the way they have played the last six weeks that will be the most impressive thing they've done over the last three years i don't see how they beat toronto i don't see toronto losing this they are too good up front. They are now playing a good, solid defensive game. And they just seem to be the much better team than Tampa right now, even with Andre Vasilevsky. But if this team can turn the flip the switch, like they seem to have felt like they were able to do the last six weeks, it'll be really quite impressive. But I have a hard time looking away from a, a Bruins Toronto Maple Leaf series in round two. Hey, one question on the Bruins is you know, just the work of Pasternak. He finishes with 113 points. What is most surprising to me is that he did it without the likes of Marchand or Bergeron, you know, uh, getting over 70 points. Like, like, does this not speak how, how talented this guy really is? Yeah, it really does. It was, uh, I, we, I think everyone in the hockey world knew how good he was and how great of a goal scorer he was going into this season but he's taken it to a whole nother level and there was many nights where he was the first one in on the four check he was the one leading with 10 shots on goal and really putting this team on their backs and I, I would add that the way David Krejci has come back to the NHL after taking a full season off has helped as well it's amazing how a 36-year-old guy has been able to leave the league and come back and play this way with a guy like David Pasternak. But, but certainly David's ability to take his game, his leadership, 
his his physicality to another level has been impressive this year, and he's put himself in that next level of of superstar player in this league. Well, do you have a uh, a cup champ pick? Have you done a bracket? Where are you at for the how it's all going to play out outside of the Boston Bruins uh, division? There, I I didn't really touch a bracket just because the Bruins have been so good, and and I'm assuming that I'm gonna. I, I've been telling my wife we can't go on vacation for a few more months. Yeah, she's not too happy about it in any way whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, but it's gonna be you know. If you back into it and, and you see the Leafs in round two and then you see Carolina or the Rangers in round three, uh, it's not easy. It, the Eastern Conference is stacked. It's going to be so much fun to watch starting tonight. And then, of course, the West seems so wide open. Um, but I would love to see a, a Connor McDavid uh, ridden horse all the way to the finals and get that Canadian team in the finals as well. Razor, Leafs in five was trending like in the last 24 hours. So you're, make plans make for a Toronto-Boston series, bud. Yeah, I'm. All, believe me, I don't know if my Twitter messages are ready for it, but I'm, I'm certainly excited for a Bruins-Leafs matchup in round two if, if it comes to that. Look at Sammy's rolling his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Our producer's like, you're such an idiot, Kipper. All right, Razor, thanks for doing this, pal. We look forward to it uh, starting tonight. All right, sounds great, guys. Enjoy tomorrow night. Yeah, you bet. Enjoy Andrew Raycroft. Good stuff on the Boston Bruins. Sammy wants nothing to do with hearing Leafs, Leafs in favorites. five. Leafs trending. Is that true? Or oh, yeah. you, really? Oh, this yeah. Guy, like, everybody's just looking. Like, like, oh, yeah. The Leafs just dispatched the three-time defending Eastern Conference champions who have a ton of pedigree, who win every big game they've been in for the last three years. If they just dispatch them, then the second round should be easy. Their goalie is like a nine thirty postseason goalie with a hundred games experience. First ballot Hall of Famer, <laughs> yeah. and it's and it's the same people that just crapped all over them when they lost to Tampa last mm-hmm. year that are the reason why Leafs in five was trending. Yeah, I believe that. <laughs> I, I see that overlap. That's to be honest, fellas, that is my pick. Leafs in five. Oh my God! Really? Yeah, I, first off, I can't believe we got it today at four thirty. Well, I mean, whatever. Yeah, no, it's fine. I'm not opposed to having it. Yeah, now. It's just, I just, I don't think they can beat them if it goes to six or seven. Well, I will say this: I looked at some gambly gambly odds, and Leafs in six, like four to two, and Leafs in five, four to one, pay decent. I'm not touching Leafs in seven. No chance. They win a game seven. <laughs> I don't agree with that entirely, but because it's Tampa, uh, it's hard. The, the only so, thing fellas, is, the, well, there's just, the, well, I, I expect, I expect Tampa to go down, but I expect them to go down fighting. So you have the Leafs winning the series. I do have the Leafs winning the series. But the full, full distance. Well, I just think it's, there's Stanley cup pedigree there. There's yeah. tremendous amount of character. I, could the Leafs win in five? Absolutely. Do I Do I give the credit of the character on that team to go seven maybe? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I do. I just think, I think to, to, to Cooper's point, and we heard him at the beginning of the show, listen, it's, it's still ours until the Leafs take it away from us. Yeah. And I don't think, I don't think they're just going to lie down over five games. And if yeah. they do, they're, they're going down swinging still. I, I think, I think it's going to be a, 
a series that's going to take something out of the Leafs a little bit here before yeah. before they get a chance to move on. You know, the one thing when I looked at this series, I, I spent some time today just quietly thinking about this series. The Leafs are really stout defensively. And I mean, their forward group, like Achari being added to that yeah. bottom six camp, like they defend, they're going to be hard. It's going to be hard for Tampa to work their way through. And to get to the middle of the to ice. To get to the middle. The Leafs defend really, really well. Yeah. And, and that's going to be a challenge. And they block a ton of shots. So all that... I, I fully believe, and so it's Samsonov. And I started the show, I think, by saying, you know, are Hedman and Sergeyev going to sift any through his armpits? Like, that's what it comes down to. I think they're going to have trouble creating against the Leafs, but this kid's never done it. And until he has, it's tough to be like, yeah, yeah he'll beat Vasilevsky. So I do, I do have reservations still about the goaltending. I think that's fair, and I think that going into this season, you'd have said that was at least a concern. Sorry, Sam. <laughs> so, Sam, yeah, you have the Leafs sprinting. They can That's win cool. the race in a sprint, but they cannot if it turns into a marathon. Exactly. I would if I. They will not win a game seven against. Oh Bay, come I on think. now! Oh come on! Like, like why? Like yeah, they've shown so much. They don't. Well, they score one goal every game seven or zero. Paul McLean. Demons. That's right. I forgot about the ghost line array of the demons. demons. Yeah. Under the bed. Oh, ever in the in cars. Their head. Yeah. You turn into Dr. Seuss talking about the demons. <laughs> Under the bed, in their head. I don't know. I All just... right. Are we going to go around the other yeah. series? Well, let's let's start with your New York Islanders against Carolina. All right. Carolina, the favorite, correct? Yes, they are pretty heavily. 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 The Islanders are plus 175 last I saw. I really believe that losing... A game breaker like Sveshnikov will hurt Carolina. I think that they don't have the, they did not add the depth. They 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 have that Tom Dundon philosophy as an owner, and that's to squeeze out on minimal costs. Yeah, and I don't think this team's covered to uh, overcome that. You know, it's going to be really interesting. It's just. So I, I do think the the Islanders got a, a fighting chance at the very least here. Veteran team, you know, Carolina's been struggling. No Svetch, no uh, Pacioretty. They've been struggling since no Svetch. But just can the Islanders score? Like, they don't score generally. Carolina's one of the best defending teams in the NHL. They, can they score at do all? They, do they have to a lot with uh, oh, Sorokin? Sorokin and this, I mean, under, under, under. Bet the under in these games. I, I don't expect and a lot of offense. Anti Ranta is starting tonight. What? Freddie on the bench. Yep. Yep. Wow. Yes. Freddie on the bench. Anti Ranta is like really good. He's just never healthy. He has shown the ability to get on a run. Yeah, he can. He can be a goalie. They just you can't. He's like Matt uh, Murray. Doesn't play. He was nineteen three and three with a two point two three goals against average and a nine ten save percentage in four shutouts in twenty seven games this year. Smocking, smocking hot. Carolina has some, and they know Freddie. good defense. They, they know, know. Freddie. Oh, that's the thing. Right? It's like yeah, okay, it's Slavin and it's Pesci and it's who else they got there? It's uh, Shea Burns. Yes. Oh, Brent Burns heard of yes. him before. Jalen Chatfield's underrated. Rangy. Big, yeah. Quiet, they're just quiet defensively. Yeah, that's Slavin. Everybody says he's the most underrated guy in the league. Every How, time, so he leads them in time on ice this year. Gets Norris Trophy votes every year. One of the best defenders in the league. Guess how many pims this year? Two. 
Yeah, four. That's it? Yeah. Somebody step on a stick? <laughs> I can't. Well, no, if, if you don't take penalties like that, that's how they happen. Like a missed call or a... How do you feel about that? Don't love it. Yeah. But, I mean, it's impressive. Like, in theory, it's great. You, you don't... You'd probably rather a guy who's a little more physical and whoopsies a guy once in a while, but... Didn't Ryan O'Reilly have a year where he had two penalty minutes or something? Oh, probably. Yeah, I think you're right. Andre Kopitar, I think, had two pims this year in 80 games as a big physical Selkie-type center. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. With the Sabres in 2017, 2018, Ryan O'Reilly had two penalty minutes in 81 games. Kopitar... All 82 games, four penalty minutes. <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, it's tough to pull that off as a guy who's not relevant and doesn't play. Islanders in six or seven for you, JB. You know, I, it's such a... I'll say seven, but I hate when people do that. It's such a hedge. I wish I wasn't saying seven, but I think it's close. Yeah. You? Yeah, I'll take them in six. Okay. The idea when you make a pick is like pick someone, pick someone yeah. at four or seven, you know, like pick a team. Seven, such a hit. S- sorry, sorry to your beloved Islanders. No, no, no. It's gonna be maybe five. Canes and five. Yeah, yeah. I'm not offended. It's a- they're gonna, they're gonna, they're just fast, deep, big. I just think that they went too cheap at the trade deadline the last few years, and it's gonna bite them in the ass again. I think that you win it, with depth. In the lineup for this team, Kipper. Teams like Toronto should get rewarded for it because they they went and got it. Sure. You know, they're going forward here with Kakaniemi and Nason on their second line and, you know, Stastny and Derek Steppen and Jack Drury on the fourth line. Like, they could have added a little bit of something-something to, to help this group out for sure. I know the injuries hurt them, but... Anyway, so, yeah. Well, all right, that was our first series. I got aisles. We got two aisles. And one Carolina. Yeah. Okay. In five. Mini Dallas. Mini and Dallas. This is a pick em, is it not? I don't know. But yes. I like Dallas. I feel like I haven't seen a ton of either of these teams this year. I feel like Dallas may be my, most, my least watched team all year. I, and I feel badly because they've been a wagon. They've been really, really good. Yeah. I agree that this is a super hard one to pick. I like Minnesota. Like, I just like the players. I like the city. I, I like Bill Guerin. I like, and he's, but they just don't score. He's done a remarkable job of making them really competitive. Yeah, in a year where they probably should have been taking a step back. Yeah, they they found it partway through the year, which does not always happen. You know, Kaprizov going to be in. He's so good. Boldy's been good. Zuccarello, Mar- Marcus Foligno's a lot of fun. You know, Spurgeon, Brodine, Dumba, they're, 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 they're a pretty good team. But I still th- agree with Kip. I still think Dallas gets through. Too many players, tough to play. Sam, you want to make a pick? Yeah, I'll go Minnesota in six. All right. We got Kipper and I on the same page like, twice. Uh, did they announce their goalie, uh, Gustafson? Did they announce it? I'm I don't just know. looking right now. I'm not sure if they did or not. But I'll take Jake Ottinger. Ottinger. Yeah, that's that's kind of the d- decision maker. He's one of the I think best. there's just the upsides there with Jake to I don't even think he has to stand on his head like he did against uh Calgary last year. Or was it uh No, they went to the cup final against Tampa two years ago, right? That's right. Yeah. But that was with uh Hudobin. Oh Hudobin filled yeah. in, that's right, yeah. 
Hudobin. But this Dallas team, I mean, Robertson and Hintz, Pavelski, Jamie Ben, Mason Marchman, Max Domi, Tyler Sagan, like Faxa, they they got guys. I like Pavelski this time of Heiskanen, year, too. Lindell, and Hackenpah, Suter. Pavelski has not, like, really dropped off yet. Ah, he's still, he's like a Tavares to me. Just so good around the net, does the right things. Pavelski is the best tipper in the game. He is well-established in that role. And you're a horrible tipper, I heard. Wow. <laughs> Who told you that? <laughs> is it true? No. Boston, Florida. So, 15%? I'm a, I'm a base 18. 18. And if you blow me away. 22? I'll go up. Yeah. Good for you. Oh, then I take it back. You're you, a great tipper. You gotta, you gotta, but you got to really wow me to get above 18. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. All right. Like, like the water glass does not hit no, it just, below it's, the halfway it's, mark. No, it's more about just, you know, it's hard to explain. But I just. Okay. I don't want to get into it. <laughs> all right. He's got a whole philosophy. I do. I do. I do. He's got a write, written manuscript yeah, on right. this. I look forward to the Sin- time that you pick up a tab. Then Sin- I'll know for sure. <laughs> Sincerity has a lot to do with it. <laughs> sure. There you go. All right. Boston, Florida. We're all taking yeah. Boston. How many games are we doing is the debate here? Uh, I'll, Unless Sammy wants to take Florida. Yeah, I'll take uh, Boston in five. Okay. You got five. I, I'll take six. I'd love to zag here, but I just can't. I'll go four. Ooh. You sweep it? Yeah, I'll sweep it. Okay. What a, one other series tonight. Marquee. Oh, yeah. The big one. That one. Oilers, Kings. Taking Kopitar over McDavid? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I think anybody say, is. I will say, this Kings team, probably not getting enough credit for how good they are. Like, really, really good defensively. One of the best in the league by expected goals against. They are the best in the league. Um, can they grind hard? It? Can, can they to shut down Matthews? Can, can they grind them down? Can they just wear and tear Edmonton? Well, yeah. You remember last year? They went seven last year at the Kings before they won, yep. but they didn't have Drew Doughty last year. And Drew Doughty came out today and said, you know, if we get the chance to smack McDavid, we're going to smack him. McJesus. They're going to smack Jesus is what they said, I believe, with a Bible. So I think the Oilers' power play is enough to get them through the Kings' penalty kill. So I got Edmonton in six. Kempe had a very quiet 41-goal season. Yeah, that is quiet. 41? That's so many. That's like 41. Yeah, Yeah, that's a lot. He is is a a game-breaker. He is. Yeah, he's a great player. He's boy. dangerous out there, but I don't. But know But they also if it's got a enough. lot of these guys. Kipper, it's Dano, you know, plays D, and Co- uh, Kopitar plays D, and Trevor Moore's in your face, and Arvidsson is a little rat, and Drew Doughty's annoying. Like they're just annoying, annoying team. The Kings. I think. Full I think it's going to be a lot closer than people think, though. Yeah. You still taking Edmonton? I'm though? taking Edmonton. Yeah, their 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 stretch was really impressive. I got nine straight to finish the regular season. I don't ever recall a team looking so bad at the beginning of the season and so good at the end. Yeah. Like it was an incredible 180. For sure. They found it, man. And curious to see, you know, we all agree that we're not sure about their D and their goaltending, but we think they're good enough to overcome those shortcomings. Is anyone good enough in the West to expose their weaknesses? Sam, you got a pick? I will go Oilers in seven. All right. You think it's uh, yeah? I think the Kings are really. I think the Kings are really. They'll drag good. them in the alley. Yeah. 
They will. I think the Kings are really good. They got better in, in net with Corpusalo. They're good defensively. They're familiar with that. Like, they've played them a lot. They're in, the, like, this, the division. I, I, I just think that it's going to be tight. So, give me the Oilers in seven. Here, it depends yeah. how they call penalties to me. Like, Philip Deneau being as good as he is at shutting guys down and Doughty. Like, are they going to let that, them hold Connor McDavid? Are they going to let them run interference and picks? You, uh... Can you how how did all the draw penalty list? McDavid was first in the NHL. I I'm really wondering if if the league is going to really focus on making calls that McDavid's been used to getting now. Because if McDavid, if they get on that power play, so first in the NHL and drawn penalties with Connor McDavid in uh, 82 games, he drew 45 penalties. So more than one every other game. Second in the NHL, Michael Bunting. And then behind not him. Not lately. No, not as many. Behind him is Dubois. Okay, how many with Bunting? 43. Pierre-Luc Dubois, Brad Marchand, and Brady Kachuk make it the top five. Do you see a theme? Yeah. <laughs> one of them's the one guy is an alien, and the rest are just uh, a-holes. And uh, a fascinating one right behind that is Elias Pettersson. All those guys I just mentioned. So McDavid has taken 18, and then Bunting took 42. Dubois took 37. Marchand took 37. Kachuk took 39. So you said that Bunting... Drew 43? Drew 43, took 42. So he was plus, plus one, one on how, the year after wow. all those histrionics. How many in the last month has he drawn? I feel I like. Know. Like I'm really going to watch with great anticipation to see how this dynamic now unfolds in the playoffs between referees and Michael Bunting. Yeah. Like there are some... Le- there, there will be legitimate calls where he doesn't have to embellish or sell at all. And it's like, at least I would think that they would call those or yeah. do, are they completely, I don't trust this guy, so I'm not giving it to him. It's a great it's, question. It's, it's fascinating. It's a, it's a human case study. It is. No, I agree. This is very much like the refs are going to have to have a chat about how they call this. Um, so the NHL's yeah. diving leaderboard I came across the other day. I was just going to say, I'm sure the I'm sure the Kings brass loves Doughty saying that they're going to smack McDavid. I'm sure the refs haven't paid attention to that at all. So Pro- I mean. Probably not ideal to highlight yeah, that. I wouldn't, I don't think they play into that. They, they know they got to, they got to sell the rivalry. They got to sell the hate. Oh. They got to build up, uh, eh, it's Shall- nothing. Well, Sheldon Keefe last year said that there was going to be violence, and then they called eight penalties per game for seven games. So maybe it does have an effect. Um, I checked out one stat the other day uh, at NHL dives. So the most dives, diving penalties in the NHL this year. First in the NHL was Tampa Bay. The guy who has the most diving penalties is Ross Colton. Three, He got called three times this year for diving. Really? Corey Perry has one, and Nick Paul has one. The Leafs had three three dives called on All him. All so. No, actually, no. Bunting, Aston Reese, and Marner all had one. But, yeah, so it's uh, keep an eye on Ross Colton and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Did Marner just have one, like, two weeks ago or something? I don't, actually don't remember. It? I don't remember it. No, don't remember it. All right. Yeah. Um, Calgary? News around the league. Oh, yeah. Calgary? Brad Tree Living will not be back as general manager. Parted ways. His contract expired. Didn't take him long to announce that. No, he could not wait 
two part ways, it sounds like. No surprise there. Yeah. Clearly, without any detail, we all assume it was me or Daryl, but one of us has to go. Well, the guy who owns the Flames, isn't he like an oil baron cowboy type? He chose the the farmer. (laughs) Like, I feel like it made sense, but Tree didn't want to be there for another Daryl Sutter season. Yeah, I'm sure it kind of helped the owner to decide when you one guy still have up, the four, four million dollars on multi years left, yeah. and the other guy you don't have to pay a dime. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, it's not exactly same consequences if you pick this guy or that guy. So, sure, they've mutually agreed to part ways. How do you like that? Just trade Matthew Kachuk, hand out how much? How many millions in contracts to Uyghur and uh, Huberto? I and they'll be like 100 and some, 120. And bye the, bye. The yeah. news is now Don Maloney steps in as uh, president of hockey operations and interim general manager. Is that correct, Sammy? Yeah. Is that what uh, yep. they announced? Yep. That's what they. That one, let me put my surprise face on. None at all? No, it is. It's, oh, genuine. Yeah, genuine. Genuine surprise face on. Yeah. Because. Don's been around a long time and sounds like a recycled job to me. Like, really has dropped off since his heyday as as a general manager. Yeah. And now to resurface like this surprises me. I had mentioned on this show Craig Conroy and where was he in the mix. Mm -hmm. Could still be named general manager, I, I imagine. So Don was last with the Coyotes? Yes. Yes. And Brad, I think, was with the Coyotes. I think they if they didn't come together. Maybe it was under Brad that Don came and followed him to Calgary. Oh. Because, yeah, Don was a scout at one point, a pro scout or something like that. So, yeah, that, that, that is quite the leap. Now you're the president of the Flames here. Interim. Interim's always weird. Yeah, hire a guy for and to make a short-term amount of decisions. I don't think you have to be a genius to figure out that the still the person with the most clout right now would be Daryl Sutter. Mm-hmm. He'd have the most power in there, would he not? I guess. I wonder how that affects how the players feel. You know, like it doesn't sound like they had an awesome time with old Coach Daryl. They're probably like crap. As soon as they saw Tre Living go, they're like, "Well, yeah." Guess that means got another year, Daryl. So, who's who's hiring the general manager? <laughs> I guess Maloney hires. I don't know. Yeah, with a little help from Daryl. I think Daryl's got input there. Yeah. How can he not? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, fascinating times in Calgary. It is. Be like, um, you know, his his idea. More 2012 Kings, please. Yes. Uh, other news around the NHL. Mark Stone's back healed. He's back? And he's ready for game one. Unrelated to the salary cap, he is now ready to play for the Vegas Golden Knights. He hasn't played in three months. Says who? Everyone's tweeted all the beat writers. The Vegas beat writers. It had nothing to do with the salary cap. No, I'm saying saying Oh, you're saying that. No, he's just healthy, Nick. It's just pure coincidence. Yeah. What a miracle. Kucherov. It cooched him. He, cooch, he they, got cooched. He got cooched. And now the... I did, uh, I did write last week in uh, my article in Toronto Star that the league 
will try and restructure the language to make it harder De-coochify for general things. managers to <laughs> LT um, down the stretch. Gotcha. Just get us a so. luxury tax. Luxury tax. It's the same thing. You're just going into a luxury tax. Well, you're going to a luxury tax. You're talking about uh, really changing a key component in the CBA, and now you got to drag in the NHLPA, and that's a come negotiation. On, come on, Marty Walsh. You can happening. do it, pal. You can do not, it. Not happening. Team Marty, Marty Walsh. At least Marty. it doesn't appear. <laughs> come on, it Marty. Okay, just like that. As we gear up towards day one, Stanley Cup playoffs, four games on tap. Check your local listings, where to find them. Our thanks you to Brad May, Luke Fox, and Andrew Raycroft. Have a great night, everybody. Enjoy game one. We're back tomorrow. Real Kipper and Bourne.